Like if you own a home that's valued under a million bucks right now in Milton, you will be laughing 12 months from now. And if you're in the market to buy one of those homes, better get in now. All right. Hello. Welcome to episode 112 of K2 Confidential. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Real Estate Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Ariel Cremendi. He's Adrian Trott. This is episode 112. And in this episode, we are giving you our 2021 real estate predictions. Well, my friend, welcome to the new year. Welcome. Happy to be here. I don't think everybody is. 2020 was an interesting year. I'm, there's positive things that came out of it, but overall, I think a lot of people are looking forward to being done with it. So we'll see how this year pans out. And our predictions, to we'll see if they're in line with what everybody's hoping for. But welcome to the show, everybody. And if you're, uh, if you're obviously watching or listening right now, subscribe, like, comment. Appreciate your support. Took my glasses off today because my eyes are, I think because I've been in the... Um, in my home office all week and yeah. just staring at my two monitors from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, it's taken a toll. I don't know if it takes a toll on you, but I try and step outside and take a, the dog for his walks and all that. But sitting in the same chair, looking at the same monitor all day long. Why do you have two monitors? Your laptop and your iMac? Yes. I see. Yeah, I know you're not a fan of using, you got rid of your iMac, right? Yeah, I had no need for it. But uh, I like the big monitor because I don't know how many inches this monitor is, but it's the biggest one that Apple 27? makes. I think it's 27 inch. So when I'm looking at bigger documents, as an example, right now I'm doing all of our budgeting, forecasting and expense reports and all of that for uh, for both companies. and uh, And I like to put certain things in view so I can see them at the same time. And it's difficult on a laptop. So what you need is a separate monitor because then it acts as a separate monitor. So you can have control over everything on both screens from one computer. Well, I can mirror uh, from one to another or, or do the, um, Oh, can you? Yeah. You can file share and do all of that. So it's just it's just like having one computer with two screens. Very nice. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk about the 2021 real estate market and what our predictions are for the year. And if you look back and listen back to our podcasts or watch any of our videos on YouTube or or even our clips that we post on Facebook and Instagram you'll find that we're pretty damn accurate year after year. We're, we are, we're pretty close. Sometimes there's ups and downs and peaks and valleys in the market, but usually we can predict those. Um, sometimes, you know, you, you run across the unpredictable, like who thought we would have a world pandemic uh, that would shut everything down for us in March. But um, China. Overall, <laughs> yeah, but overall, it was the cats. Overall, you know, 2020 from a real estate perspective was extremely, extremely bright. Yes, uh, if, you, many if, if you owned property, <laughs> if you didn't, it probably was a little bit more expensive for you to buy something this year. And um, also, 
inventory levels were um, not that good, which created more demand and more multiple offers and all that. But if you think back, as an example, CMHC, you remember CMHC's prediction? We talked about that about a year ago when they made that prediction. They were, yeah, they made that prediction and they were the, and I can't, and they, the other uh, insurance Genworth companies, they, yeah, Genworth, there's one other, uh, I can't remember the name of it for some reason, but anyways, they were the only one that was on board with that prediction. Well, CMHC is also the biggest um, yes. mortgage insurance provider in the country. Um and, I think and, the biggest difference with them is they're not on the ground. I mean, they see what's happening. They see mortgages coming, applications coming in. But I think the benefit we have in making our predictions as it relates to real estate is one of the biggest indicators is the uh, perception of the market and what people are perceiving it to be, whether it's good or bad, or whether people are timid and are having our feet on the ground and taking people out to see houses. We get the firsthand feedback about how they feel about it. And that tells us about the direction it's going. When you're the nitty gritty of trading real estate and, and being face to face with the buyers and sellers on a daily basis. And, you know, because we have input from the rest of our team as well. So right now we've got eight people essentially that are talking to us about what's happening in the market, um, including, you and I being out there and talking to people and even feedback and, and just general activity on our social media, you know, the DMs that we're getting and questions that we're getting, things like that can be indicators. And I mean, when you, when you get predictions and everybody likes to make real estate predictions, right? Like the banks love making real estate predictions. Uh, the big banks, uh, the insurance providers, and um, of course, real estate companies, real estate agents, real estate brokers, real estate um, franchises like the Remaxes, Century 21s, Royal LePages, especially. Um, everybody's going to make their own prediction, and it is what it is. They're predictions. It's it's like in sports when well, it's, yeah, one person's opinion. So take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah. And, but, you know, just, just touching on my analogy of it being like sports, and I know you're not a uh, big sports fan, but um, as an example, the hockey season, hopefully it sounds like it's going to start in uh, a couple of weeks and everybody has their own prediction, right? Like they, they might Vegas comes out with their odds and, you know, sports books and all that, they come out with odds. And then you've got all these writers that, that say, Oh, the Tampa Bay lightning are clear winners uh, this year or going to be Stanley cup champions. You get all these magazines, whatever. And very rarely does anybody accurately predict it, right? Because anything can happen. Their star player can break a leg and not play the whole season or their whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's very much the same in real estate. Like if you look at the condo market in Toronto, that took a bit of a beating. Uh, if you look at the rental market across the board, the rental uh, rates have come down. Um, but the GTA as a whole for residential real estate 
um, which is what we primarily trade in. And um, if you look at freehold homes, especially, or even uh, condo townhomes, um, the increase on them is about the exact opposite of what CMHC predicted. They predicted yeah. an approximate of 18% lower values as an average across the board in the GTA, whereas it actually increased approximately 18% on average across the GTA. Go figure, a 36% swing in the prediction. It's very much, in, I mean, the biggest variable with real estate, like you're talking about sports, using that analogy, and you know, someone breaks a leg. Like in, in real estate, it takes a pretty strong force to influence it because there's such a lack of inventory and such a demand that it would take a pretty pretty big event of sorts to have a negative impact on it. You know, it would probably be economy related because here's a good example. I remember one of the most memorable predictions I uh, watched last year was a local real estate agent who had been in the business for many years. And he was on video saying, um, you know, I worked through the 2008 recession and it took two years to bounce back. And that's what we're in for. So sit down, relax, and ride it out. It's going to take a couple of years before we get back to normal. And I just thought it was the funniest thing. I thought it was a very uh, premature um, prediction. It was very early on. And I don't think he really had his eyes on the big picture because COVID caused so many people to want to move for various reasons. As soon as people were locked up, the whole market went crazy. People were stuck at home. They wanted to move. There's there's always going to be pessimistic people or people that rely on past data or past history to um, to try and make their own predictions. If we look at the U.S. market and what happened in 2007, um, 2008, um, they they still have not fully recovered. But for the most part, it took a f- several years, um, four or five years before um, before things started to stabilize there. You know, I, I was involved with a, a purchase in the U.S. just after their crash. That's when I bought the condo um, in Florida. And, you know, when when we purchased the condo in Florida, the what happened and i don't think i've ever told this story on the podcast before i know you've heard it before but um it was right after the market crashed so for those of you that didn't know a lot about what happened um there's actually a bunch of movies now that were done i can't remember the one that was was really well done um but it talks about how lenders were basically over lending and and um the market crashed right like there was a lot of fraudulent activity um there was a lot of just a lot of bad money being put out there for for people to lend and a lot of bad um lenders a lot of bad people lending money or borrowing money a bad a lot of bad borrowers and the market crashed 
And um, as an example, the the condo we purchased had a mortgage on it. Uh, it was purchased the the property was purchased for about two hundred and sixty five thousand, if I remember correctly, and the mortgage on it was about two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars when we purchased it. The mortgage was held by a lender that actually went bankrupt. The lender went bankrupt. And then the government basically took over and owned the property and sold it off. And we bought it from the government uh, for $70,000. So it was just purchased three years prior for two hundred and sixty. dollars we bought it for 70 with still 220 owing on it. Yep. Um, so can you imagine how long the recovery is from that? Um, now we sold it several years um, later, about six, seven years later, made a little bit of money. Uh, and since then it has gone up incrementally, but as of today, it's still only worth about half of what it was purchased for in 2006. Yeah. So, so it takes, uh, you know, it takes the right common sense, first of all. And obviously in the Canadian market, we are, we are governed a lot better. The banks are, you know, we've got some of the strongest banks in the banking system in the world, which is why a lot of people globally invest in Canadian real estate. Uh, which is one of the things that do pent up the demand. Um, but we're in a position now where I think we are going to see a, a huge shift again. Like you talked about COVID creating this shift of people now working virtually, working from home or needing more space or wanting to buy something and not rent, whatever. We saw it all. We saw people divorcing. We saw people separating. We saw people um, uh, joining uh, families together and, and quarantining together so they want a home that's big enough to do that, whatever. We saw it all, right? Um, I think we're going to see another, and, and you can call me out on this prediction, but I, I think, think we're, we're usually gonna, in line with predictions, but let's see what you we think, say. I think we're going to see another shift happening over probably the last half of 2021. And that's going to be people that need to move out of some rural areas and into some of the urban areas, um, mostly for the purpose of earning income. So whether it's employment or just being closer to things um, and also people that own rural property are going to see a tremendous amount of appreciation if they haven't already. They are going to see that in the first six to seven months of 2021 because of people that want to move out. So we're going to see people that want to move out of the urban areas into rural. And then we're going to see rural people potentially moving back into urban areas, almost like they're trading homes. So somebody with a town home that says, I need more space. I want more land. I want space for the dogs to roam free and the kids to virtually learn from home or 
whatever. I want a pool. And then those people are going to say, well, we want less maintenance and we want to be closer to fucking Walmart. I don't know. But um, I think we're going to see some of that kind of cycle. It's going to be a little bit weird in my opinion, but I think we're going to see some of that. I think um, it's it's been interesting to watch the rural market and to have some listings this year in in the rural areas because a lot of people went from one extreme to the other. So they went from living in the city to living on acreage and having a rural property. And I think that that shift for many people was probably too extreme of a shift. And I think after living in those properties for six months to a year, about a year, because they have to go, kind of go through the various seasons to see the how different it is. Like maintaining a large property in the winter is a lot of work. You know, shoveling, you know, long driveway, stuff like that. Uh, leaves, maintaining your property, it takes a lot of work and time and effort. So I think, you know, give it an, a year um, or give, I guess, the winter. So a lot of people are going to be going through that. And by the springtime, they would have hit a lot of those seasonal changes. So I think a lot of those people, you're right, they'll want to move out of rural properties back into kind of a more happy medium, a larger lot in a suburb. So they still get some outdoor space, but it's not as much as they had in the rural environment, but more than they had when they were in the city. And because they didn't make that transition slowly, I think it was probably too big of a shift and a change for them. So yeah, I agree. But I think I think at the other side, there's still lots of people looking for rural properties. I'm always watching the rural market. I love the idea of living on you know a couple of acres. And oh, we'll we have tons make- of tons of buyers that are are wanting yeah to move out of urban areas and into rural areas, and and there isn't a lot of supply there either, right? Um, especially if you're looking at something under two million bucks. You know, once your budget goes up, maybe there's more custom homes and and more options because your budget allows it. But you know, if somebody owns a million to one point three million dollar home uh, to upgrade, um, you know, you still have budgetary concerns, uh, especially competitive price point too. Yeah, it is. It like is. everyone I'm talking to, they're like, yeah, you know, one point three, one point four. That seems to be kind of the comfort zone for many people moving out of the suburbs into rural areas. So that's a very high demand little segment of real estate. So that's going to be, obviously that means that those price points will soon no longer be affordable as that competition exists. So here's, here's the prediction. Uh, Mortgage rates again are extremely low. They lowered uh, in the last quarter of 2020 again uh, banks are being super aggressive. There was a bank that was offering 0.99% fixed rate over five years uh, to just get more business, more deals. Uh, so that puts fuel to the fire. If you look pretty well anywhere in the GTA, but specifically where we trade in Halton and Peel region, the inventory did deplete again at the end of 2020. and. I don't anticipate it's going to replenish much because the buyers are out there gobbling all the good stuff up. Um, And even listings that aren't looking so great and homes that aren't looking so great, uh, they're getting sold too. So, so there is a, 
real lack of inventory coming in now to 2021 and uh, the buyer demand is still there. So, you know, people talk about when is the best time to sell and everybody always says spring, but holy smokes, if you're a seller and, and you want to get a bidding war, uh, do oh, it, yeah. just do it, do it now, do it in January, well, February. Well, on that note, a lot of people, you know, common question is, or a common belief is that people don't want to sell in the winter because they think it's a bad time. But it, you know, I think of all the time all the years we've been in this industry, there's never been, um, a better time, uh, than now given the lack of inventory and still a high demand. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't anticipate there being much change in 2021. I think actually as things look, I mean, there's the, the vaccines, um, you know, in place and on the horizon, um, there's that common sense, um, or the common feeling that things are going to be back to somewhat normal later this year. Um, I can see in September, the school year being a pretty normal school year. Um, so you look at those things and you say, well, if the confidence from the general public is is going to be coming back and this pandemic is going to go away, which it will at some point, um, and the mortgage rates remain low and, you know, the government programs are still in place to help people and, and jobs are going to be coming back. People are going to be going back to work. So you're now adding that fuel to the already hot real estate market. There's low supply, there's high demand, the mortgage rates are low. It's going to be another big year for real estate in mm-hmm. the GTA. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the government does to stimulate the market, the economy, because they've never been in a worse position and they want to get people spending more money. And um, that'll be interesting to see what happens. That will be interesting because I think people, I hope people have gotten a little bit smarter. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting because I think people are now realizing that they don't need to spend money in certain areas and where the important areas are for them to spend money. You know, if if you're a single person and, and you hate to cook, yeah, maybe you, you continue to spend several hundred dollars a week on takeout and going out to restaurants and bars and all that. And you're happy with that and good for you. Um, but there's also going to be a ton of people that now have learned to cook healthy at home every day of the week. And uh, instead of spending money on, maybe they maybe they read our money savings tip guide and went through it and realized, hey, I can do this. And uh, by the way, the link is in the link in our Instagram bio. Go ahead and download that free guide now. Um, <laughs> Sound like a... Infomercial. Infomercial guy, yeah. Um, but they're, re- they're redirecting that money, right? Redirecting that spend into a bigger home. A lot yeah. of people did that. 
I don't need a fancy car anymore. I don't need this size of car anymore. We're not driving as much anymore, or we don't need to drive as much anymore. Or we're not taking vacations for the next few years. We're not flying south for the next few years. We're certainly not going to an all-inclusive because we don't want to eat their food or I don't know. There's going to be a lot of that, right? Um, so I, I think people are going to spend differently and it'll be interesting to see what the government does to help retail establishments, uh, restaurants, bars, um, things like that. But, you know, to, to that point also, I think people have shifted in the way they do business. Um, we have certainly shifted the way we do business, the virtual aspect of it, the working from home aspect of it. Um, A lot of people are saying, oh, well, when things go back to normal, people are going to be in trouble because they've moved away from their office. They're going to realize that their company requires them to come back to work. I don't think that's Well, then find a happen. new job. Find a new yeah. job. There you go. How about Perhaps. that? There's, there's going to be a lot of companies that are forward thinking. Me personally. Well, that's what I was going to say is I don't think it's going to happen. I think as things get back to quote unquote normal, as they say, I think that the the normal is going to has changed and it's becoming the norm now. So now that means people don't have to work out of their office out of nor, during normal hours, and they're going to have more flexible schedules to work from home because these companies have seen that oh, over the last twelve months we've still been successful, had less expenses, and people are happier. So let's keep doing this. If let's just say you are. Uh, let me think of a uh, industry. Let's say you're an insurance agent. Okay. Because I always see buildings with, um, with signs, you know, state farm and, and the person's name and, and they rent an office. What the hell? Who goes into an insurance office to purchase insurance? Right. Why on earth would you ever need a office location to sell insurances. Real estate, mm, a little bit different because you do have a lot more face-to-face -face meetings or there's contracts or, you know, there's um, presentations that you want to go through. But even um, that's changing. Like even even that's face -to -face changing. meetings? Not really. I mean, no. maybe at the client's house because you maybe have to go see it. But other than that. But I can, I can see there being more of that once... Yeah once things get back to normal or people wanting that. Although for us, I think everybody on the team is so comfortable now with uh, Zoom meetings that I, I really think that we might even drop our, our office in Milton because why pay for office rent if nobody's using it? Well, I think there's a big shift in the way that commercial real estate is going to be used. Like I, we've talked about this in the past and I'm still very much on board with it. And I really want to do it. And that is having, uh, I think the, the retail environment needs to change. People need to have a reason to go there. Like for us, you know, having a space where it's just for our team, it's not, essential you know it's still nice having those te that team environment there's something about that that motivates people from a sales perspective i think that's oh, for sure a very healthy atmosphere um but i think there's still things to be sad about like for us if we had space where clients could come during showings and open houses and stuff like that so i think it's just about having space that's created uh with a different purpose or that's used differently 
you have to find a yeah. reason to draw people there's, in. There's going to be more flex spaces. But yeah. like, just as an example, you look at something as simple as a subway shop. I've seen many subways where they have 50, 60 seats in there. Right. How many people actually getting a sub from subway and need to sit inside that location? Like, why can't Subway be a 300-square-foot place where you go in, you grab your sub, and then you eat it in your car, or you eat it, on, you eat it at home or whatever, right? Like, you only need a few seats. Like, every time I walk into a Subway, aside from the ones that are right next to a high school that are um, always packed at the lunch hour, very few times do I see a lot of people there. But Almost like a walk-through. Yeah. Or like only yeah, well, drive through. In, in, in the restaurant industry, and you know that I've studied this a lot because of my passion for getting into it, the smaller the square footage, the more likely you are to be profitable because of the cost of rent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like bike shops. I see so many of those mobile uh, bike shops now. You know, it's just a, a truck that goes around. You leave your bike outside on the front porch uh they i'm talking about pedal bikes mountain bikes they they pull up in their rv or whatever it is and they bring your bike into their mobile shop they fix it up they clean it up they put it back on your porch away they go why why does somebody need a retail front for that right um you look downtown Toronto. I, I think those things still have merit, but I think the big thing is going to be commercial office space. That's well, that's gonna... what I was just going to say. You look downtown Toronto, you look at the TD Tower as an example. You think out of all of the thousands of offices that are in that building as an example, do you think 80% of them need to exist? No, no way. So. I think it's forcing, it's going to force a lot of change. Um, and I think it's going to make there more trading activity in the real estate market, in all markets, residential, industrial, commercial, everything. And every time there is a lot of trading and a lot of demand, um, which potentially the commercial and industrial will suffer from over the next few years until. Not so much people- industrial. I mean, they still need. That's true. Purpose. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, commercial for sure. Commercial for sure. In fact, industrial might be like if you're talking about like look at Amazon. Amazon's going to need more fulfillment centers probably, right? Like the amount of volume that they're doing. All yeah. of the online shipping and handling like FedEx is just killing it right now. Um so lots of changes but Nothing that I can see that would negatively affect the residential real estate market. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say at a minimum, a 10 to 12% increase year over year. So if we take uh, January of 2021 and look at January of 2022, you'll see an average, my guess is about 1% per month increase throughout the entire year. So if you own a million dollar home this time next year, it's going to be worth 1.12 to 1.15, up to 15%. And it might even be more for certain categories in certain areas. 
Like I think Milton as an example, I think the demand is going to be just ginormous in 2021. Um, and I think it'll be big for anything under a million bucks. Like if you own a home that's valued under a million bucks right now in Milton, you will be laughing 12 months from now. And if you're in the market to buy one of those homes, better get in now. I think we're going to be in for a busier summer this year than we have seen in the past. I mean, the summer is often a slower time. Um, we see less activity, not necessarily a drop in selling prices or anything like that. Just, uh, you know, less inventory, less buyers, but still yep. um, proportionately equal to the rest of the year. But I think it's going to be, more, there's going to be more activity this year. I think we're going to see though this is the first full school year people have gone through with kids at home. Um, and I think in the summer, if that's still an option, maybe people will want to continue doing that, but would need a better environment for it. So they're going to be looking for homes that can adapt to that sort of situation better. So, and yeah, I don't think you still won't see a lot of traveling in 2021. Well, we don't really trade in um, cottage country. Thankfully, I bought a cottage when I did, because I think this year the cottage country business for real estate is just going to be stupid. And, and again, we don't trade in that area, but I think certain areas like uh, Perry Sound District, uh, I think Huntsville is going to be stupid busy. Um, I well, even on, for even, uh, so I was chatting with my brother who lives in Huntsville and he was telling me about some houses in urban Huntsville, uh, new construction homes that are selling very comparably in price to what we see here in Halton. And it's unbelievable. So that's, um, you know, their market, not only from a cottage and uh, vacation home perspective, but no, from, I'm talking year round, year round people moving and, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and going into those areas. I think if you're an investor and you've been thinking about or talking about flipping homes, because, you know, the other day or the other podcast that we um, we talked about uh, realtors and, and people talking about becoming realtors and and how often we hear, oh, I've thought about becoming a realtor or, oh, I thought about taking my real estate license. I hear the same thing for people that have talked about flipping homes, right? Oh, yeah, I thought about flipping homes or I'd like to flip a home in the future or whatever. Um, if, if you've ever thought about it, buy a home now in the outskirts markets, like... And in the GTA, I'm talking about also areas like Woodstock or even Cambridge to a certain extent, um, Guelph to a certain extent, Grimsby, um, even Brantford, uh, these kind of areas. You buy it now, you take six months to work on it and flip it in July, August, September, October, you're making money. You're making yeah. money. And and I wouldn't say that too confidently in past years. Uh, this year, you're making money. So if you do it right, of course, and and you, you know what you're doing, uh, there's a lot of people that don't. But 
I think it's going to be a good year. I think, um, to your point, the summer is going to be quite busy, uh, just by more buyer activity. And, uh, and, you know, I was talking about school specifically, but for other reasons too, like lack of vacations, people still wanting yep. um, that a pool this year. Yep. So that, you know, those houses will still be a hot commodity. Yep. Uh, very much like it was last year, maybe more so. And even things like if, if the home is walking distance to some amenities, like if you've got some nice parks within walking distance, or if you have some, like I'm working with a buyer right now, uh, two sisters that uh, want to purchase a larger home. And uh, one of their not must have criteria, but really would like to have is a Starbucks in walking distance um, because they're now both working from home and they would and they live in downtown Toronto currently. And they would like to be able to walk to Starbucks to come back home with their coffee because that's how they start their morning routine. Okay. And, and they moved from Milton to downtown Toronto because they had to work out of their office. And now that's are not being, a fun commute. Nope. And now are being told that, uh, well, they're, they're working from home. So they're like, well, there's no point of us living in downtown Toronto of all places right now. So we're going to buy a home back in Milton because what we can afford, we don't want to buy in Toronto. And um, so the one sister is going to be working from home permanently. um, And the other sister um, works for a law firm that was told um, their office isn't even going to be open back up to the employees until at a minimum of January, 2022. So that means for the next 12 months, for sure, you're working from home. So got to have a Starbucks close by. That's funny. That's interesting to see. Well, which I is going to be, yeah, which is good changing. for retail too. Well, I think uh, the, you talk about the food industry. I think the, the companies that get it and the individuals that get it are going to do real well. Like I look at Pasqualino's in Milton. Talk about a talk about smart business sense. Um, they they're in um, in restaurant dining, so sitting inside the restaurant is is not available or wasn't available or very very limited uh, throughout the course of 2020. So they created a a basically a showroom of unique products to sell out of their storefront and so you can go in you make an appointment you go in and you can choose fine wines fine cheeses um they're selling things like charcuteries and and um you know doing a little bit more catering that way uh they've aligned their menu for more of a take home take out um environment where it's um, makes sense for couples or families to treat themselves once in a while. Um, I well, think they had the kind of they had the prepackaged make it yourself at home concept too. You can go and buy the noodles, buy the sauce, take it home. 
put it yeah, all together. Fresh pastas, uh, the the same sauce you would get if you were sitting in the restaurant, uh, those kind of things. So, so I think you know there's there's changes that um, we've already seen, but um, yeah, nothing nothing uh, that's going to set back uh, the real estate market. What what do you think? I'm accurate. Do you think differently? No, no, I have been agreeing the whole time. I think uh, I think you might be light on your 10 to 12%. 12 to 15. Sorry, 12 to 15. Uh, sorry, I thought you said 10 to 12. I did um, initially, but then I, I, I thought, okay, yeah, as high as 15. So I'm 12 okay. to 15. So that's, that's, that's more in line with my thoughts. Yeah, I think we'll be around that. I can say 13 to 16% just to be a little bit different, but you're going to be, you're going to be in that range. Um, I think it'll be a very steady year. I think we'll be very busy pretty consistently throughout the year. There were some markets that saw well over 20% gains year over year. Now think about this. If you're an investor, a first time home buyer, or somebody that's just been thinking about upgrading, and you've been delaying doing that over the last three years, just three years, and three years flies by real quick. If you've delayed, you are now paying approximately 40% more, call it a third, 33% more for that same home three years well, later. This is why I can't stress enough if you got people sitting on the back burner saying, oh, no, I'm going to save a little bit more money. Listen, you cannot save as fast as the homes are appreciating. So your, your, your money is losing value by and the day. There's a bunch of people that I don't know what they're smoking, but they keep waiting for the market to crash or they keep waiting for the market to retract. And yeah, there's going to be, again, those peaks and valleys. Like we saw in 2017, there was that huge peak and then we had a valley uh, with some of the changes that were implemented by um, governing bodies, and um, and we and saw inventory. The price, There's a inventory. big inventory then. Yep. Um, so the price is retracted, but if you look at the bottom of the bottom of 2017, it only took. I, I we did the math back in 2018, but I, I if I remember correctly, it was less than a about let's say 14 months uh and it had already met and then surpassed that value so in in 14 months i wish some of my stocks would rebound within 14 months and then give me the same kind of return that the, the real estate market has provided since then yeah doesn't happen too often well and the bottom of 2017 was still kind of on par with the previous year yeah, yeah. Well, that's the funny thing. The bottom of 2017 was slightly below the peak of 2016. Yeah. So year over year, people really didn't lose anything. Uh, so if you bought in 2016, you were still okay and were ahead of the game in 2018 already. Um, and now between 2018 and 2020, you've appreciated probably 25%. So. Um, now the other thing before we part and, and finish with our, um, discussion on 2021 and what we're forecasting, I believe we need to educate people that own homes. And I've been on this tangent and this rant before, but there's a lot of people sitting around right now 
that have equity in their homes. And there's a lot of those people that don't have any intentions of moving. The mortgage rates have never been lower, ever. It's the lowest it's ever been. Please. Need to tap in. Tap into that equity and refinance your home and use that equity to purchase another property outside of the area that you live in. Don't buy it in the same market. So if you live in Milton, yeah, you can look at some options, but most people won't have enough money to do that. Look at taking that money and invest slightly outside of your market. It's also good to diversify in different markets. Um, but leverage, leverage, leverage. There's going to be a lot of tenants out there. The rental market is bouncing back already. So even though it saw a little bit of a dip in the last few months, it's still way above what it's been historically. Um, you can have a cash flow neutral or cash flow positive property. You only need 20% down. So if you buy a $600,000 property, you only need 120 grand as a down payment. And I can assure you, most of you listening have that as equity in your property that you can take out and leverage. And then you got a property that's creating a source of income um, for your future that's going up in value. So you're realizing the equity and um, and you have another you have another asset in your name. So if you're not thinking of moving in 2021, it's a really, really good time to uh, sit down with a real estate professional and um, get some advice on on what might be available with your current financial situation. And um, and hey, it's always good to have you know um, additional sources of in even though it's not actually going to give you money in your bank necessarily. It's a source of income. Um, uh, and for those who are not self-employed, it now becomes a source of deduction for tax purposes. Well, you got to be careful there because only what you're investing or, or spending or whether it's time or, or, or money or effort um, on, on that specific property. So you can't just be buying, buying a pen and fucking writing it off on your rental property. Um, but you know, um, it, it does have deductions, um, available through Canada revenue, right? So you do have, um, expenses that you're going to see throughout the year. So if somebody, you know, calls you and if your tenant calls you and says, um, you know, the, the fridge broke and you go and buy a new fridge that's coming off of the income. So, you know, your, your taxation on rental properties right now is probably really low. If not, not if nothing or potentially, so where you're getting at, it's potentially a negative. Um, so if you lose a hundred bucks a month on your rental property, it's a $1,200 loss for the year. That is reducing your overall personal income. Um, so it can, there, there's a whole bunch of things that come in line, but at the end of the day, you got to sit down with somebody that knows what they're talking about. Maybe even talk to your accountant, talk to your banker, talk to your real estate person. Um, but it's a good time to be doing that and, and don't sit on it. Don't think about it. Well, just that's the it. problem just with everybody. Like, just make just that phone it. call. Just pick make up the, the phone, phone call. 
get us Make started. the phone call. Um, all right, 2021, my friend. Uh, 2020 was a good year. We're we're glad to close the books on that. Uh, I just finished last week our uh, our budgets and our targets and our expense forecasts and all that and. Boy, oh boy, it's going to be a big, big year. We have big targets uh, set for us and the team. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun year. As am I. I think there's certain positive things that came out of 2020. Uh, I would always like to look at the bright side of things. I'm excited for 2021. I think it's going to be a very positive year too. Yep. So keep your head up. Keep on smiling. It's a new year. It's a good year. Buy some real estate and uh, make sure you subscribe. This was episode 112 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. KTConfidential.ca. We love you. Bye-bye.